Welcome to the One Climbs Podcast, a show about exploring life through the lens of theology, scripture, symbolism, and ideas that uplift the human mind. So today I was teaching a class. It's my brand new 11 year olds class. And we only had three of them in there. So I think a lot of people are probably still out of town or maybe they didn't realize we switched back to 9am church instead of 1pm. I don't know, it's kind of a mystery. But there were some kids that should have been there that that are maybe still out on vacation or on a trip or something. So I suppose we'll see next time. But today we were, we're talking about the book of Moses because we're now into the Old Testament uh, this year with Come Follow Me. And we were going over kind of the account of Moses being carried up into the exceeding, exceedingly high mountain and speaking with God face to face. It's, it's such a... Uh, it's, it's such a great account that we have here in the Pearl of Great Price. And it's, it's very fun to kind of dig into. And we're not going to be going through the entire book, but I thought I would just hit on a couple of highlights that, that came up in the class and, and just kind of talk about those a little bit because it, it was a really fun class. Even though we had those three kids, we had some really good conversation and it was it was great to see the kids' eyes wide open, just thinking of the possibilities and and um, just how big some of these subjects really are and how deeply intertwined they are with our own lives. And so that's kind of where we'll begin is is talking about this this first encounter. So Moses is caught up into this exceedingly high mountain, as it says here in verse one of Moses chapter one, he's brought up to the mountain and and we talked about, you know, Hey, how, how easy is it to get up a mountain? And we talked about if any of them have ever been up a mountain, two of them had been up a side of a mountain. One kid had kind of gone up to the top of, of one, what he considered a mountain and, um, and, and we said, well, is it easy? How long does it take? Well, it's, it could take a while. Is it risky? Yeah, it is. It is risky. You know, you could get hurt, you could slip and fall. Um, and it takes time. They, they talked about how it took a couple hours to get to where they were wanting to go. And, and we don't necessarily know exactly where the mountain was or some theories of, of where Moses's mountain was, but, um, he was brought up there and, and climbing to the top of even a small hill, even for me can sometimes be a little challenging, especially if it's at a really high altitude. I'm from, I'm from sea level, so I don't do good with, with altitude at all. And so I I've experienced running out of breath and, um, you know, you're getting up in, into the, the higher altitudes where, um, if you're afraid of heights at all, that can be a little bit concerning. Any any wrong step could potentially be fatal. So this is this is a dangerous journey to kind of come up to the top of this mountain. But then when you do, uh, here Moses is speaking to God 
face to face. And and we talked about that for a minute. Imagine, you know, climbing and, and touching all of these rocks and pushing off of them and looking for a way to reach the top and weaving around these different passes and, and maybe not knowing if you're, you know, you're totally at the top yet or where exactly are you? But then, then you're standing there and it says the glory of God was upon Moses and he was speaking to God face to face. And just how amazing that would be to look into his eyes and know that God, the creator is, is looking at you. He sees you and he's speaking to you face to face. And reading on here a little bit, it says, and God spake to Moses saying, behold, I am the Lord God almighty and endless is my name for I am without beginning of days or end of years. And is this not endless? And then he says this and behold, thou art my son. And I said, imagine that you're standing, you've climbed this whole mountain. You're tired, you're sweating, uh, your muscles are aching. And then the glory of God surrounds you and there God is speaking to you face to face. And one of the first things he says after introducing himself is you are my son or daughter. We had uh, two girls in the class, one boy, two girls. So I said, son or daughter. I said, how would that make you feel? Would that make you feel important? And and I almost got a little choked up at this, at this moment. I wasn't expecting it. I hadn't planned on really going that direction with it in the lesson, but man, for God almighty to stand before you and say, you are my child telling you that's who you are. Here's who I am. Now this is who you are. And when we read these scriptures, we're not just learning about a story of what happened to Moses. God himself would say the same thing to each and every one of us. And, and we kind of discussed how sometimes we can really feel down on ourselves or sometimes we may not even like, like ourselves. You know, when I was a teenager, I, you know, I went through the whole just kind of teenage phase where you have all this, this existential crisis of all these different things. You know, my experience um, I don't know if I'll ever share it one day on here or not. I haven't decided that yet, but, um, I had kind of a, an experience that was pretty unique. Um, that was very, very hard, man. It was, it was really difficult to get to. And it, it kind of shaped a lot of my worldview going forward. And, um, and so coming out of that, I, I had a very low sense of worth about myself. And I had a great family, like, um, my mom and dad, very loving, very supportive. Um, but you know, you just sequence of events and the way that you respond to them and, and all these other influences, it, it kind of led to me turning inward and, um, becoming very self-centered thinking it was a form of humility to where I didn't even want people doing nice things for me. And I was like, why should anyone ever care about me at all. Um, I got mad if people showed kindness to me, I resented other people. And I didn't learn until years later that, that, um, that it was a very selfish thing. 
and I didn't know I was being selfish, but, but I realized in retrospect that there, there was attention that I wanted and be, and I resented people for not giving me the attention that I wanted the, the way I wanted it and, and things like that. And it, it's stuff that, you know, as a kid and, and growing up, you, you kind of, I think a lot of people are maybe faced with some of that, that sort of stuff. We didn't get into all that in the class, but I'm thinking through these things, but I just said, you know, sometimes we can devalue ourselves or other people can devalue us. They tell us that we're not worth anything when we tell ourselves that we're not worth anything. And yet here God is, you are my child and that each one of us are children of God. And that is such an empowering thing. And we'll find out here in a minute, um, why that's so significant. So he tells Moses, wherefore look, and I will show thee the workmanship of my hands. He says, but not all for my works are without end. And also my words, they never cease. And no man can behold all of my works, except he behold all my glory. And no man be, can, can behold all my glory and afterwards remain in the flesh on the earth. So he tells Moses that he has a work for him and that Moses is created in the similitude of his only begotten. And he says, my only begotten shall be the savior for he's full of grace and truth. But there is no God beside me, and all things are present with me, for I know them all. And now behold, this one thing I show unto thee, Moses, my son. There he goes again, my son, for thou art in the world, and now I show it unto thee. So Moses looks out, and he sees the world upon which he's created. He sees all of it, the ends thereof, all the children of men which are, which were created. Uh, he marvels and wonders at this. And we talked about that with the kids. Like, what would it be like to just see this amazing sight, uh, uh, comprehending the whole world and all the people who live on it and would ever live on it? Um, definitely a powerful, even overwhelming kind of experience. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God withdraws from Moses. The glory taken away. He's left to himself and he falls to the earth and he's there for several hours until he, he gets his strength back. So he's sapped of all his energy and just laying there for how many hours, you know, it's interesting to think about, was he just laying prostrate on the ground? Did he kind of sit up and lean himself against the rock and just lay there? I imagine he's, he's kind of blown away by this whole experience. But then he makes this comment. He says, now for this cause, I know that man is nothing, which thing I never had supposed. And often when we, when we encounter God, at least in my personal experience, and also what I've seen in the scriptures is that these preconceived notions we have are just stripped away. Many of them. We think God is one way. We think certain things mean certain things. But then when we encounter them in reality, you know, some of, some of those false concepts and ideas, the way that we framed it, they just kind of get stripped away. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of similar sometimes to when, this is just kind of an analogy, but 
when um, you've read a book or novel and you, you see the world in a certain way and then you see a movie version of it and how they depict the characters and the scenery can often be quite different from what it was like in your own mind. And sometimes when we read the scriptures, we read things a certain way and we understand them a certain way, but then when we actually see them happen in front of us, it could be very jarring because it's, it's not quite what we expected. And we see this happen in the scriptures many times when these um, paradigms just get, just get kind of shattered in the wake of, of the light and truth that get poured out. And this is the experience Moses has. So he's, he was a, you know, a prince of Egypt. He, he grew up in the, in the courts of the Pharaoh and, and saw all the grandeur of the Pharaohs as a God on earth with all of this, all of these riches and technology and things the Egyptians had. And then here Moses is, he sees everything, just the whole world, all these things. And then it's taken from him and he falls to the ground. And, and his one comment of all that is, now I know that man is nothing, which thing I'd never supposed. It's a very interesting comment. And I don't know that I totally understand everything about what he meant by that. But he did know that he was a son of God. So man himself, us, we're, we're not nothing, but without God, without everything else, and in comparison to God, in comparison to, to the vastness of everything, then yeah, comparatively speaking, man is virtually nothing, a speck. But in the next verse, he says, but now mine own eyes have beheld God. Not my natural, but my spiritual eyes. For my natural eyes could not have beheld, for I should have withered and died in his presence. But his glory was upon me, and I beheld his face, for I was transfigured before him. So it was the glory of God. Some type of situation that he was in enabled him to endure God's presence and see and comprehend these things, um, not with the physical eyes, but, but the spiritual vision. And, and, um, I can't say they know exactly what Moses is talking about here, but, but I have experienced similar things in my own life where I have had experiences with God and, um, with some of these things to where you can see and, and know things without your, your senses, you can perceive things beyond what your five senses can perceive. And it's very difficult to explain. Um, use words like see. I, I kind of like the word perceive. But you can perceive and experience things beyond your senses. And sometimes that's hard to describe exactly what that is or how it is. But it's... It's real. It's more real than anything your senses can can necessarily perceive and detect because your eyes can be deceived through magic tricks. Your hearing can be deceived. Um, you hear something, you think it's another person's voice, it's really another person, or you hear a noise that you think is something else. You, hear, you think you're a gunshot, it's a car backfiring. Your sense of touch can be deceived. You reach out to grab something. You think it's one thing and realize it's something else. There's probably a lot of funny stories behind that. And, um, same with smell and taste. 
um, all those things can can be deceived or can be unreliable. Um, you know, I um, I got sick, probably the COVID, and and I lost my sense of smell almost entirely, and my sense of taste was kind of warped by it. Um, certain foods that I would eat tasted disgusting, and uh, so anyway, there there are a lot of different examples, but there's something about perceiving things spiritually where there's no doubt left in your mind. It's clear and distinct, and it it hits you in a place very deep inside, and um, it, it's it's really cool cool stuff. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling on that, on that subject. But when I hear Moses kind of talking about these things, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you've experienced some of these things, even in a small degree, you get what he's talking about here in, in a way, you know, he's describing something that's real. So right after this whole experience, he's had this amazing experience. And then immediately after here comes Satan tempting him. And he says, Moses, son of man, worship me. And we talked about this with the kids and, and, um, the difference between how God approaches the situation and how Satan approaches the situation. And, um, we noted that Satan just said, Hey, worship me, but didn't show Moses anything. He just expected to be worshiped. And, um, I'm a, we talked at the beginning of class when we we're introducing ourselves. One of the girls liked to draw and I was like, Oh, that's cool. I like to draw too. I've, I've drawn my whole life and I kind of do that professionally for a living. And so I, I brought him back to that. I said, Hey, remember I said, I draw, I said, I want, I want each of you to right now, just to respect me as an artist. Would you, you know, would you be able to do that? Can, will you be able to just respect me? Just give that give that to me. And the kids were like, well, no, uh, I can't just do that. And I was like, well, why? I, I told you to, you should, right? And they said, no, we haven't even seen your artwork. We don't even know if you're good. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, exactly. Right. So Moses is saying, you know, he's wanting to be worshiped. And so Moses replies and he says, who are, who are thou? Who art thou? For behold, I'm a son of God in the similitude of his only begotten, where is thy glory that I should worship thee? So he's like, well, you haven't shown me anything. You don't even have any glory. Who are you? I know who I am, but who are you? He's, and Moses continues saying, you know, I couldn't even look upon God except his glory should come upon me and I were transfigured, but I can look upon you in the natural man. So he continues, blessed be the name of my God for a spirit hath not altogether withdrawn from me or else where is thy glory for it is darkness unto me and I can judge between thee and God for God said unto me, worship God for him only shalt thou serve. Get thee hence Satan, deceive me not for God had said unto me, thou art after the similitude of mine only begotten. He also gave me commandments when he called me out of the bush saying, call upon God in the name of my only begotten and worship me. And Moses again said, I will see, not cease to call upon God. I have other things to inquire of him for his glory has been upon me. Wherefore I can judge between him and thee. 
depart hence Satan. So Moses is very confident. He sees the difference between himself or for, between God and Satan, and he knows who he is. Now, Satan, when he comes to him, he says, Moses, son of man. He's calling him a son of man. And when God speaks to Moses, he calls him my son after the similitude of my only begotten. So there's a big difference here. God is referring to Moses as his child and Satan just kind of refers to him as this, this son of man. And so we talked about that for a minute and how sometimes, sometimes people will belittle you. And I know I discussed this at the beginning where people will seek to kind of diminish who you are and tell you who you are whether it's another person, an organization, or even yourself, you telling yourself you're not worthwhile, that you're not valuable. And it doesn't matter where the source comes from. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's the idea. What's the idea that you're going to believe? Are you going to believe in the idea that you are just a speck of dust floating in space? Are you going to believe the idea that you're worthless because somebody doesn't like the way you look or the way you dress or anything superficial like that? Or some other or group or organization tells you you're this or that? You know, you've got all these competing voices and ideas, but God sees you as his child. Now, that's an idea worth believing in and worth learning more about and, and digging deeper into it. And so all other voices, you have all these voices spreading their ideas and it's God's ideas that we should be pursuing most of all, because where, what's the source for these other ideas? Where are they coming from? Why should we give credence to them? If we, we can't even tell where they originate or where they come from. So it's a, it's a good thing to think about, I think. So after Moses replies to, to Satan here, um, Satan then does something. He cries with a loud voice and he rants upon the earth and he commanded saying, I am the only begotten <laughs> worship me. So he throws a big fit. He starts screaming and ranting. And uh, I said, you know, you may run into one day, one of you kids in school or somewhere where someone challenges you and they don't like what you believe. They don't like the ideas you have. And, and they get very mad at you and they may yell at you and scream at you. And when this happened to Moses, it says he began to fear exceedingly. This was uncomfortable for him. He didn't want to be yelled at and he didn't want, you know, this, this being ranting around and screaming and commanding him, uh, trying to force him to change his mind and accept whatever he's saying. So Moses fears exceedingly. And as he fears, he, he sees the bitterness of hell, but he calls upon God and he receives strength. So after, as he receives his strength, he says, depart from me for this one God only will I worship, which is the God of glory. 
And now Satan began to tremble and the earth shook. Moses received strength, more strength. He called upon God saying, in the name of the only begotten, depart hence Satan. And then Satan cries again with a loud voice, weeping, weeping now at this point, wailing, gnashing his teeth. And then he departs after this big dramatic sequence. Total, total drama queen. Um, yeah. So this, this encounter, this whole thing is very telling. You have this massive contrast between light and dark and different ideologies and perceptions of the world. And one Moses or God appears to Moses with his glory, calls him his son and shows him all of his works. He just lays it open and says, this is what I've done. And then that glory is very quickly taken from Moses so he could feel the contrast. And in that vacuum, Satan enters in and seeks to kind of capitalize on that. He wants to fill that vacuum that, where that glory isn't there. He's going to insert himself and see if he can try to win the mind of Moses. And we see that ultimately he's not successful. But I think the same scene plays out in our own lives in many different ways. And that's kind of the point we made there in the class is, is yes, this is a story of what happened to Moses, but this same thing plays out in our own lives often many, many times over and over again as we encounter different people and different ideas and we experience different things. And we have to remember what do we believe about who we are and about what is out there in the world. And it's important for us to figure that out and have a desire to figure it out, to do our own searching and our own praying and our own seeking to climb the mountain. And uh, the boy in the class, he was mentioning that and he, he said it a couple of times and he made a little mountain shape with his hands in front of his chest and was like, you know, he goes, we all have our own individual mountain that we're climbing within ourselves. So he, he totally got it. You know, it was really cool to see that. But it was also cool to just see the look on the kids' faces as they were working through this idea and realizing their own value and their own worth, that they're children of God, that this is their father, and all of this is created just for them. And they're going to be many people, including themselves, that may try to devalue that as they journey through life. But if they remember who they are, and if they remember why they're here, they can push through all of these false ideologies that seek to devalue them. And they can seek after God who is going to exalt and lift them up. And so that's kind of uh, some of the things we get out of this first part of Moses here. I mean, there's a million other things you could probably pull out of it, but the core idea, at least that really hit home to me as I was uh, sharing this lesson today was just the importance of that contrast and how we experience that contrast often in our lives. We go through periods of joy and feel that glory. And then, then we're dumped into the darkness and we go in and out of these things. But if we keep 
our center on who we are and why we're here and ultimately the power that will redeem us and always be a foundation to stand on, we can make it through whatever ideologies or darkness come our way. It doesn't matter how dark, it doesn't matter how uh, deceptive or how loud, um, we'll be able to push beyond these things. And so that's at least what we get, or at least what I got out of it today and what, what I've kind of been thinking about. Nothing really earth shattering, I suppose, but just grounding in these truths once more and feeling the firmness of these things under your feet is always a good experience. And anyway, we're going to continue and man, it's, it's always great to be in the old Testament again, because there, there are so many just powerful things that we have in here that have, that have been around inspiring people for thousands of years. And we get to kind of look at them again with fresh eyes as we've, we've gone through life a little bit more. We're a little bit more experienced. We have a little bit more knowledge and we're going to approach these words again as new people, as though it was our first time in and see them with these, these kind of new eyes. So that'll be exciting. Uh, so any new insights and, and any new things that we encounter along the way, you know, I'll, I'll be sure to, to share here in another podcast. So until then, remember to keep climbing and enjoy the view.